This is Hiram, Chelsea fan, and make sure you guys press record at this time, you idiots. You're watching the DU football show. <laughs> yeah, that would be reference to the time that we were in a parking lot in uh, at FedEx Field and forgot to record the show we were doing for hundreds of fucking people. Nice. Well, That's you know, perfect. I was in a test. Good news. He'll be there. Uh, he'll be here Thursday to pick up the uh, pieces for you, Mr. Graham. So we'll we'll be okay. We got young, hot freshness. What else can we do? Let's start the show. Born in the land of Bowie, Maryland. Bred to be a fan of fucking Everton. Punch you in the eye and drink your rye. Sam Houston. Arsenal fans have another Sam. Right, AA, the fucking Gooner Graham. Stuff of a lord, but straight in shorts. Sam Graham, hey. Sam Graham. Fucking United! Fucking United! Hello and welcome to the DU Football Show, a completely biased recap of the English Premier League is told by two common American schmucks. I am your host, Sam Houston, and across the way, deciding if his uh, middle child should actually get presents from Santa <laughs> is our co-host, Mr. Samuel Graham. Sammy, how we doing? Uh, doing very well, thank you. How are you all today? <laughs> I like how he dodged that question. He's like, this is recorded. My child can hear this one of these days. She will blame everything on me. <laughs> yeah. no, I, just, I, just want, I just want these bitches to pay for it. <laughs> Heard. Very good. Also, an early part of sound check uh, uh, thing. Story. <laughs> We're recording at the U Public House just outside the nation's capital. You can check us out wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, streaming live mostly on Mondays. But tomorrow's fucking Christmas. We're not doing a show tomorrow. We're doing it right now. You know why? Because we are a couple of hardworking motherfuckers. That's why. We are going to give you, what, like six hours of fucking uh, shows this week because we're doing it again on Thursday as well. That's right. Did you go all hours all of a sudden with fucking? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Should you want to chat with us, there are as many ways that you can. Mr. Graham, tell the good people how they can get in touch. Absolutely. It's at DU Football Show and all the social medias. DUFootballShow at gmail.com to get in touch by email. Uh, and make sure you join the closed group, which is where most of the shit talk happens. And apparently, if you do that, you don't have to listen. Drunkers <laughs> <laughs> United FC on Facebook. Just make sure you join that page. Uh, we'll approve you, and you can talk smack as much as you want with us. It's a ton of fun, and we're always checking everything that goes on there. Oh, there's there's been some thunder over the past two weeks. It's been really great. Uh, Jim wonders if it's the Irish whiskey coming through. Uh, not Irish whiskey, but you know what? We're going to talk about it, because Sam and myself both work in the wine and spirit industry, and both have a deep, passionate love for all things distilled spirits. So as the red-blooded Americans we are, we about to have a drink in our hand throughout this show and every single show. Mr. Graham, you see, that is what we call driving the motherfucking bus. Tell us about number 19 on Whiskey Advocates Top 20 of 2022. You know what, Mel? The worst part about it is that my immediate thought was we're going to have to hear about that transition for the next three to six weeks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to be having me like, hey, can you slice that out look and at, share it? Look at it right now. Look how chumpy he is with himself. <laughs> Christian right. made that meme for a reason. Daddy drives the fucking bus. All right. Uh, this is Fuji uh, whiskey. This is a Japanese uh, whiskey. 
uh, 86 proof uh, should run you about uh, $70, excuse me, on the shelf. Um, obviously, its origin is Japan. Your blurb uh, from Whiskey Epic comes from Miss Julia Higgins. Uh, in creating this dram, Fuji Master Blender Joda Tanaka blends four styles of whiskey, all produced and aged, at Fuji Gotemba Distillery, which is located at the base of Mount Fuji. The nose is delicate and softly sweet, calling to mind honey grams. Luckily, it's not an outer gram. <laughs> Molasses, malt, a zip of lemon meringue. Uh, lemon meringue. Uh -huh. It's probably not dancing, is it? <laughs> yep. Uh, and baking spice. Go boom, chicken, boom, <laughs> boom, chicken, boom, boom. <laughs> the richly textured. That'll happen after I have the rest of this whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> the richly It'll be more like boom, chicky, uh, done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boom, chicky. <laughs> this richly textured palette is loaded with vanilla icing and marshmallow sweetness malt caramel and dried mango but there's a complexity aided by bursts of black pepper and jalapeno the peppery spice follows through on the finish and as does sweet vanilla ice cream so i the only sip i've had with this so far has been with a cube so i'm gonna just take it straight from the neck of the taster you gave me mm-hmm Let's see if I get any of that. These <laughs> oh, it is sweet. It is a for me. It is a sweet, sweet bomb for me, and um, I I actually quite like it. I would compare this to. Um, it has the backbone of a Scottish blend, that kind of smoky thing going on. This would rub me as like a very sweet Johnny Walker Black. Is yeah. kind of what I get from it. Okay, fair enough. <clears throat> it's very desserty. Spice coming through um, on the end there, and there is a little bit of I don't know that I call it jalapeno because I don't think it's spicy by any means. No, but it's almost like a like a fresh, like a green bell pepper. Mm -hmm. There's like a like a pepper snap to it. It's delightful. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's like definitely it's much. vanilla. It's marshmallow cream. Um, well worth the price of admission on that bottle at, at, at a, I think I got it for 65 and I'm damn nice. satisfied with this. This is really lovely, nice. lovely whiskey. Well, since we, since we do have more people checking us out, we should always also remember, uh, that any prices that we throw out are suggested retail prices, <coughs> stores in your area, whether they're state run, whether they're independent, they all could charge different things. Don't go in there and say, Hey, the two Sam's told me, nah, don't do that yeah. shit. Everybody has their own business. They're allowed to charge what they want. Um, but uh, according to Whiskey Advocate, this should run you around 70 bucks. Yeah. Um, also, a little disclaimer. Uh, not available in Maryland. I uh, actually bought this in D.C. because I could not find it no. anywhere in Maryland. Uh, but a lovely, lovely little whiskey. I'm very pleasantly impressed with this whiskey. I, I still think the... Um, Mars Iowa, the uh, 45, the green label that was on from a few years ago. I still think that's the, my personal opinion, the best uh, Japanese whiskey that I've tasted that has made the list. You know, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say this. Some Habikis and Nikas and stuff like that are, are really stellar, but the, this is really damn good. I'm with you. This one blows last year's out of the water, in my opinion. Uh, very much and agree. I, I was I was a bit disappointed by the knee competed last year. Well, and especially one, at the price point that it was too. I mean, it was exactly. a 
$250 bottle like wow me a little like it just tasted well, like that, a yeah, smoked a, a smoked party. Japanese whiskey that's that's you know that was it, it right. there wasn't a ton to it different. yeah yeah the, exactly right. there was other Mayiago stuff from uh, Nika that I was mo far more impressed with than the limited release peated which should have mm -hmm. been it should have been more it really should have been more but, um, yeah for sure what else should we always do Mr. Graham just always remind people to gam or gamble legally responsibly, but also to drink legally and responsibly. Well, normally, if you're not drinking legally or irresponsibly, you're probably not gambling legally and responsibly either. Not typically. You're not. No, no. no not typically. Uh, yes. uh, Jay uh, checking in on the chat saying, uh, thank you so much for doing this recording because he's got a long drive tomorrow and headphones for the wife and kids. And then added, never forget. Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> Wait, so hold on. So do, should Sam, should we take this brief moment mm -hmm. to test the uh, sound drowning ability of Jay's kids' headphones <laughs> and just say, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuckity, fuck, 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 fuck. Here we go. Here we go. Cover all that for you there, uh, Jay. Balls. Um, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. We start at the top of the table. As no one took their chance to change the top and capitalize on a week without Manchester City playing. Aston Villa won, Sheffield won, Damn. Arsenal won, Liverpool won. Mr. Graham and producer Mel, Villa's <laughs> home winning streak comes to an end. And mind you, it was the, the 20th place club. God. Shit's funny and sometimes. Villa player. Yeah. Exactly, and I'm, a former Villa player. I'm super happy we. Uh, I'm not drinking Malort tonight. I, I got to say, it was kind of pitiful. I just shit fell apart. Timing was off. Plays were off. VAR was off. Before we go Ruffing ahead and let was off. Yeah, before we go ahead and let Sam kind of get into the description of the game. Um, just a quick question for you then. Um, do you think the pressure of potentially being top of the table got to the boys' head on the pitch that day? I mean, absolutely. How can okay, they not? Fair have? enough. I mean, Very fair. That and, I don't know. We we do tend to play up to teams, which means we play down to teams. And so really, our terrible performance is Sheffield's fault. <laughs> Very good. Mr. Graham, why don't you go ahead and uh, chime in here on a little bit of, of what happened. Yeah, so this game for me, just in general, was kind of an amalgamation of everybody's exhausted. Sheffield just got a new manager. Yeah. Who happens to also be their old manager. Yeah. So they are looking better anyway. They look a bit reinvigorated just in terms of their work rate and their work ethic. Um, Villa are tired. They're fighting on three fronts at the moment. They're, you know got all of that going on and we're also in the busiest time of year nobody's been able to get a fucking break mm -hmm. so it doesn't surprise me that they you know play down to their opponent in this game but mm -hmm. that being said Sheffield United still aren't very good and they were living pretty dangerously when uh you know the first 15 20 minutes Villa had a ton of chances tried to turn the screw couldn't get it over the line Sheffield United did ride their luck for most of the game deep into the second half obviously and then just a complete lapse of concentration from Villa left Cameron Archer alone at the near post and he slotted home with ease I mean it was a Sheffield, easily Sheffield United's best move of the game as a team um, but you know 
And then Villa, as we've seen them do before, score another late goal, had the fortitude and the the character to stay with it and not give up and not let their head drop, and uh, ended up getting out of there with a draw. Um, but it, it should have been a Villa win um, on paper easily, 100 times out of 100. And, uh, and I just think, you know, it's that being tired. It's that time of year. It's that being exhausted. The games come thick and fast. And if you're not ready for them, it's very easy to slip up. Um, Mel, I, I, I know you had talked a little bit about the game with, with me on uh, on Friday. Some possible uh, VAR uh, questionable decisions? I mean, isn't there every game? <laughs> and it's it's almost like you want to complain about it, but I feel like we're complaining <clears throat> about it every game, every match, every place. So at this point, it's almost evened out. We've been fucked by VAR. We've been helped by VAR. We've been disappointed by VAR. We've been relieved by VAR. And we've just been stupefied by it all all over again. And it's just the punchline of every joke at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I, I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, Sam, it's a nice point for the Blades, right? Unfortunate because, you know, coming on to it, they were in 19th. They finished the they get a nice point in a building where nobody gets a fucking point and oh don't look now you've moved to last place <laughs> like like here's your right. reward for a job well done oh, 20th <laughs> i mean almost almost beat us um fuck now uh for for villa and we're about to come on to it right now it ends up being you kept pace the yeah. good news is is well, at least you didn't lose any ground. Yeah. You stayed exactly where you were because... We didn't fall apart. We didn't fully collapse in on ourselves. We we still managed to keep our dignity together, I suppose. We move ourselves to <laughs> the match of the weekend, all eyes on Anfield, as Arsenal goes to face Liverpool. And frankly, really loud, really, really loud in Anfield for about three minutes, Graham. <laughs> so I think it was six, but yeah, uh, you're exactly right. Because Gabrielle got on the end of a floated uh, Martin Odegaard free kick and uh, put the Gunners ahead early on. It was absolutely brilliant start. Um, the Gunners were on top, obviously, through most of it. Uh, what struck me, though, is, um, and I, I said this to you and Rob, who, who came over to watch this game with me, um, that, you know, in years past – typically beating the teams. We've had the result here and there where that everybody can make fun of us for, but we typically would beat the teams that we're supposed to beat. What we would not do is really compete properly against the other big six teams. Right. <clears throat> right. Last season, we fell short at city a little bit. We had the draw at Anfield, the two, two, but we were up to no, um, you know, that kind of, but you can see this progression under Arteta. <laughs> where now this season we've drawn Chelsea. We have the best record of the big six against the big six. Very good. Right? On top of that table also. Uh, Graham, I think Mel has something from the uh, chat. Uh, no, uh, breaking news. I am following Norad Santa. He has just left Milton, Delaware, heading towards Washington, D.C., flying over our region right now. He uh, looks like he's uh, almost to the Bay Bridge. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, thank so, you for uh, checking so. in with Santa do, for do, us. Do, 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 do. Graham, I got to tell you, and we'll get on to Salah's goal here in just a moment. Great first half, kind of a meh second half. I mean, this was the, the opening of the game. The first 45 minutes was absolutely frantic, and it looked like both sides really wanted to have a go. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, when you look at the stats in the game, everything was even. Shots, uh, possession was 51-49. Shots on target was 3-2. to two. The shots, the, in general, shots were dead even, I think at 13 apiece or whatever it was. Um, both teams had a period where they were dominating, right? They, they both had chances while they were on top. Um, both goalkeepers actually did well to, to keep their side in the game during those stretches. Um, but, you know, as we said on Saturday, what is Zimchenko doing? Uh, you know, showing Salah his left foot. Um, just kind of basic mistake there from somebody that's supposed to be one of the best left backs in the world, you know, at least going forward. And now we're starting to see some of his defensive frailties. I think Arsenal could have won this game had he done his job properly, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, if, I mean, you take that with a grain of salt, too, because Liverpool also didn't score with a six on one and a half. Right, so, precisely, too. You know, I mean, there's, you know, Arsenal hit the post, I think, once as well. And uh, there was a, a possible penalty shout that, that really could have gone either way. I'm not really upset that it didn't get cold, but it was one of those kind of coming togethers that if the ref's in a bad mood, or he's refing the Nottingham Forest game. He, they just do what they want. <laughs> a little um, bit of foreshadowing yeah, there, my friend. <laughs> that's how some referees are. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, all in all, I think it was a good game. You know, uh, we're the only one of the big six clubs, as I was saying before, that this season has not lost to another big six club. So right. that is a, a very positive sign, a very good thing, and I am uh, ridiculously happy about that. And seeing that progression – you know, obviously, everybody from time to time has a shit result like Villa drawing Sheffield United. Right. Um, you were fortunate enough that we also had probably our hardest game on paper this season besides Manchester City. Right. But both both you and at, Liverpool. At the, sa- at the same time. Yeah. Right. So, it was, you know, it was always going to be you were going to be in touch. You know, it was a, you weren't going to lose the league today, Mel. You know, right. well, or lose your top four status today. This was, you know, it was it was always. Can you get to the top? But if not, you're still right there. So what's a big deal? You I, know, I was going to say I felt like the second half, even with the subs and the adjustments to the game, and yes, the one six and a half on uh, six people on one and a half. I I still feel like both teams just seemed reserved to play for a draw. Like, don't fuck this one up, which leads eventually, me to, yes. yeah, which leads me to my next question is who does this benefit more, Mr. Graham? Who do you think it benefits more? Well, I mean, obviously us because we're top of the table. Man. <clears throat> I mean, that's what I would say. What what did Jose Mourinho say was his plan anytime he played another top six club and he's won three titles? Exactly it what is, I was about to try to lead you towards. See, again, win, excellent win fucking home, bus driver. Win at home, draw away. Pretty sure I'm just a good backseat driver. And uh, so, hey, careful, you're about to hit that tree, you drunk cunt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Jose Mourinho used to say basically against the other big teams, against the other teams that you're vying for a title against, you want to beat them at your place, you want to draw them at their place. Just don't lose Right, is the big deal. And if you can do that, you put yourself within a shot of the title in any league in the world at any level of football. And then come and- – that's what we've done so far, and it's that's you know I'm I I feel even more positive this season than I did last season. Right now, couple that with um, what we just talked about with Villa. Villa has beaten you and beaten City in their building. They have mm-hmm. lost to Liverpool, but it was at Anfield. So now Liverpool still has on their schedule. As we get to the midway point, you start to look at 
what are the big fixtures teams in a quote title hunt have and you now look at that for liverpool and you go oh, gotta go to Villa park that ain't an easy fucking place to play a lot of people go there and lose a lot of people go there and lose where for you guys and for city you then go all right well we get villa in our building we get for right. particularly for you we get liverpool in our building like that mm-hmm. all of that really plays into your hand as far as a title race goes well, especially after we buy douglas louise in january as well we'll have a weakened villa team in our building which will be great which are you buying douglas louise or are you buying ivan tony or are you buying both probably buying both is what it looks like we move to a rivalry that is really growing teeth and since both clubs have established themselves in the prem gotta tell you man the El Gat Wico is a fucking derby and that is all there is to it Brighton won Crystal Palace won um Palace was the better side in the first half hands down and they got rewarded right at the end yeah it was a very entertaining start to the to the game very kind of helter skelter back and forth like you know two heavyweights just kind of haymaking each other basically i mean they they both had good chances that in general started to kind of peter out um overall as everybody kind of went wait a second wait a second this game lasts 90 minutes not 12 right and then, <laughs> and then and then it sprang into life again as you say right at the end uh chances at both ends but palace was the ones that took theirs um Brighton didn't let that stop them though of course you know as the, as they've been known to do they they I think besides Villa probably have scored more late goals than anybody else right um I think Arsenal actually quite well known for scoring late goals as well I mean that that's a, a a handy party trick to have as a team just in general is you know that never say die attitude having that composure and that drive at 89 minutes to go this isn't done yet yeah well also once once um Palace took the lead in the uh, 45th right at the end of the first half. They came out swinging at first, and then by the 60th minute, mm-hmm. it was all Brighton. All Brighton until about the 80th, and then Palace got a couple more chances that, that they could have possibly put away. And then right after those two couple of chances, then it was all Brighton to the finish. And even after they finally equalized, they had another one there where... Uh, Dean Henderson came out and knocked it right off of uh, one of the players, and it almost went into the net. It was a Danny Welbeck. He came mm-hmm. out to punch, but the ball for – I don't know why he elected to punch it. The ball was around his waist. It kind of skims off his knuckles, hits Welbeck in the face. <laughs> right in the face. <laughs> in the face. <laughs> and then almost goes in the fucking corner. Yeah. It was like, what are you doing? Was so, you know, Palace had so many chances in the game. I guess they got bored shooting at that. They wanted to try one on their own. Um, fortunately, uh, it looks like Eze's healthy. It looks like Elise's healthy. Um, yeah, Eze had a nice little cameo in this game. Yeah. He, he played actually quite well when he came on. Had a chance to himself. Johnston's just about ready to come back to the net, which is key as well. Um, no offense to Dean Henderson, but Johnston's just a better keeper uh, at the end of the day. And I think you could tell the defense feels a little more solidified with him. Um. In the Decore role, uh, with him being out for the season, they've started, they've moved Chris Richards up from uh, center back into a holding mm-hmm. mid- midfield role. And it's kind of helped solidify them as far as defensively goes, you know? Defensively, so, yeah. Which is what they ultimately yeah. really need. Because 
get Elise and Ezzy healthy and on the ball, they're going to make goals happen, right? If it's Tomateta right. or Edward, but they're going to make goals happen. What they need is some stability in front of that defensive four, and it looks like Richards might be able to do that job. Yeah, it, it does. Um, I mean, the the only other comparison would be looking at somebody like John Stones stepped up, but he's uh, obviously much more technical. Oh God, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. So you're 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 not going to get any, you know, kind of bells and whistles or frills or exciting moments here. You're going to get tough tackling. You're going to get organization. You're going to get defending high up the pitch. And uh, it, that will prove to be very functional for Palace. It won't be pleasing on the eye. But that's but what Roy the boy wants. That's what Roy exactly. the boy wants out of his team. He needs that, you know? That's what he needs. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Richards isn't going to be picking the pass, you know? And that's why you got Lerma out there. Let him do that, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I want to be critical of Brighton for a second because there's something I'm starting to notice. And we've talked about, you know, you know, hey, maybe are they tired, but they're doing a decent job of rotating players and they have a lot of pieces to work with. Here's kind of my comment on them. They take a lot of fucking shots. Very few are on target. They take a lot of bad shots. A lot of really bad shots. So it's like, great, you you took 16 shots on target. I mean, 16 shots. Six of them were on target. You know, it was Palace to took fair, that's Palace. Better, that's better than most teams' ratios. Pal, Palace took Palace took um, took eight shots. I'm sorry, nine shots. Two were on target and one went in the back of the net. Like it just and and there's you as a team for Brighton. You need to understand you're going to face some teams like Everton outshot them on target when they were in their building. Like it just. You've got they've they've got to start being a little more precise with their shots and start challenging defenses to defend as opposed to just running at them and putting it in Rosette. Because honestly, it's as a defender, I just stand off of you. Go well. I know you can't put a fucking shot on target, so uh, you know, no, go yeah, ahead, go ahead from twenty five. I mean, that being said, though, um, I think a lot of the goals that they scored last season and that they scored actually earlier this season as they were one of the highest scoring teams in the division mm-hmm. up until a few weeks ago are because they try to take chances early. They create opportunities for themselves when people aren't prepared for it. Now, they're not on target, so they're not getting some of the rebounds. They're not getting some of the, you know, kind of blocks that go anywhere because I'm stretching because I wasn't – I didn't even think you were going to do that. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of these are going in Rosette. I think some of that has to do, again, with people being tired as shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've never had to deal with Europe in their history, let alone this particular team. I think they have three people that have previous Champions League experience. True. That's true. Very and, true. You know, so I think part of they also rotate a lot. Um, now, they typically don't miss a beat, but how in tune can you be if your left winger changes every third game, every second game? You know, you at some point you have to pick the same squad and let the players play. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But um, so I, I think there there could be an element, especially as, as, as some of the strikers and forward players think like, ah, I don't know if I really trust this one. You know, this guy. So I'm gonna just have a hit. You know, I think that some of that goes into it too. I mean, you know, I think back to some of the the greatest teams in 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 history. How Arsenal's invincibles. 
many of Sir Alex Ferguson's teams. How often did he change the lineup? Unless there was an injury or something else going on, you know? Right. Um, not often. I mean, they, they, yes, they treated the cups like they were worthless pieces of shit for the most part. Um, and they played the kids and that's when they got their first team players some rest. But other than that in the league, when did they change a team? Mm-hmm. Unless somebody was hurt. So you had, everybody was fucking simpatico, you know what I mean? And and there was that trust and that relationship developed. If you've got eight 22 year olds, it, it, I feel like some of their passing is like fucking tender. Yeah, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just money shot this. I'm gonna just money shot this one myself. Like nobody forms real bonds or commitments anymore. You know what I mean? And that's why the divorce rate's so high. <laughs> sure thing, boomer. I hear ya. Sure fucking thing. Rounding out the rest of the league, and oh, so that happened. West Ham 2, Manchester United 0, Burnley 2, Fulham 0, Luton 1, Newcastle 0, Tottenham 2, Everton 1, Bournemouth 3, Nottingham Forest 2, Wolverhampton 2, Chelsea 1. Um, How can you not figure out when you are playing West Ham at West Ham what they are going to do against you? They're going to play very stout defense and they're going to wait for you to make mistakes. And they're very, very fucking patient. Mm -hmm. And you, in some instances, okay, you know what? Wolves can't get it done. Everton can't get it done. Burnley can't get it done. You're Manchester fucking United. You're Manchester fucking United. And frankly, you've become inconsequentially mundane is what you are. You have the same number of goals as Luton. And only Sheffield United has more goals than you. You're Again. fucking Manchester fucking United. How can you not break down a defense? No offense to West Ham. West Ham played an amazing game. But if you are Manchester fucking United... You figure out a way to break that down. You figure out a fucking way, man. Just, ah, just but, please. But here, here's, here's what I think the, the point is. Now, honestly, I think the point is, is that it's not fucking Manchester United anymore. Fair. It's not them anymore. It's not this history-driven play for the shirt, we're better than everybody, chip on our shoulder team anymore. It's this very weird you know, like running through their exes after their best long-term relationship ever, trying to figure out what happens. And that's what they're doing. And this this win will mean so much to David Moyes. I mean, get one back over on the people that thought you were supposed to be the ones to, to do, you know, carry on Sir Alex's legacy and all that right, shit. Right. Um, you know, if you had just given him a chance, maybe you would have won a more recent European trophy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, they did under Mourinho, I think. Didn't they win the uh, Europa League? Uh, yeah, but you know, West Ham won last year. That. that doesn't matter. Joke's funny. Still still works. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I want to mention West Ham, obviously, real quick. The, uh, their efficiency blows me away week in, week out. Mm-hmm. Once again, they had a third of the ball. They outshot Manchester United overall outshot them on target 
because for that 30, I think it was 34.6% of the ball that they had. They just are fucking ruthless with it. Just absolutely fucking ruthless with it. They create chances very, very quickly. There are now two, back- there, there's two teams and I got some thoughts with West Ham too. There's two teams that are doing that this season and nobody seems to have an answer for them 90% of the time. It's West Ham and it's Everton. And Again, you'll see Everton with 37% of the ball, but outshoot the team they're playing. You're like, how fucking crazy efficient is that? It's like the minute well, they get the I mean, ball, they know what they're going to do. But, and that's in boys, the same thing. It's like the minute we get the ball, we know exactly what we're doing. And huge to see Areola back in the net for them. And the other thing, that goal for Bowen, that pass from Paquetta. Fucking nasty. The the outside of the foot, the softest little up and down yeah. dip that fell right to Bowen that he was able to control and take the shot. And, yeah. And yes, there was some bit of luck that it fell back to him and all of that, but that was fucking sheer perfection. It was absolute was awesome. perfection. It was absolutely brilliant. Do you, uh, do you have any other points on West Ham? No, I do not. Please take it away. All right, good, because I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back to Manchester United for a second. I'm okay. How I'm gonna use another modern reference and sound like a boomer again. Actually, I think uh, because I've never seen a human being be more like an NFT in my life than Anthony. Hmm. Worth so much money, and then in 18 months. You're absolutely worthless. <laughs> yeah, don't disagree. But, but there's, there's still only one of you. <laughs> <laughs> fucking brilliant. He is the human NFT. What a fucking cock. Um, big shout out to Rebecca Welch, who is the first female official to be the center official at a Premier League match. Um. About damn time. No reason why a female can't ref a fucking man's game. You know, as long as they understand the rules and know how to control the game, they should be able to fucking ref it. And Burnley. Are we we in agreement? Are we? I'm sorry. Are we in agreement that women referees should only be allowed to referee each team once a season? So they can't hold anything against you from before? Or is that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> misogyny theater <laughs> where's mel at turn the camera on <laughs> well you know as as mel is already oh she's got christmas lights now as um i've had christmas lights the whole time oh, okay i just you know, tells you how much i pay attention to you um, and you're my wife um as 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 mel has already famously said they don't need to be told what the foul is they knew what they did they know what they did yeah <laughs> And we don't need VAR. I only, <laughs> We're right about everything. No, no hey, no. I, I only said it for you, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Graham, in lieu of a three-game suspension for a uh, for a red card, you get to go to her mother's for the weekend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now it's it, it, it's been a long time coming. I, I, we spoke about it the other day. The way that they framed. Their, the announcement that she was getting this game was almost kind of weird. It was like, I, I've seen women referees in a Premier League before. What do you mean? They, the head referee was the point. Right, she the was center. She was charge. the center. Because I we've obviously seen lines women before. And I was like, what are they talking about? There's been women refs. We've seen her um, linesmen so, a fucking ton. Well, yeah, exactly. 
So it, it, they what they meant was <laughs> that she was actually taking charge of the game, which uh, which is good to see. They've done it in a few other countries. Um, the the best example of which I can think of, and I, I can't remember the teams, uh, but the the video gets shared a ton, and uh, pretty good looking. A uh, blonde, tall, slender woman referee, and uh, she blows for a foul. Players walking by, and she's kind of looking and shaking her head like this, and you know her, her ponytail's going back and forth. And then she pulls, and the player looks like this, and she's pulling from her back pocket, and then she just wipes her brow with a handkerchief. And then he just looked at her, and was like, oh, and she winked at him. <laughs> and I, was like, I think that was a porn. Money. That's uh, fantastic. Uh, your uh, your boy Greg uh, Duffy's watching. Oh, hey, what's up, Greg? Good to see you, brother. Yeah. Glad you're here. Uh, the the other big thing to, to really kind of talk about, it's a hell of a fucking win for Burnley, man. Um, now, I know it's Fulham are missing some pieces, but you go to Craven College, Cottage, I'm sorry, Craven College, Craven Cottage, <laughs> and you beat Fulham in their building, especially when you've been having a hell of a time just doing anything even in your own building. Do you, yeah. think, do you think this can jumpstart Burnley? Or do you think this is going to help them? Um, yes, because anytime you can do that and take, you know, take um, any sort of confidence is good. They scored with their only two shots on target in the game. So they had a 100% hit rate, uh, which is a massive, massive deal for them. Uh, Sander Berger uh, scored again, um, which is good. Getting him on the score sheet, he's, he's one that has previous Premier League experience. Obviously, uh, we've seen him around uh, uh, at a few different clubs. What I would worry about, though, is they did allow 19 shots, uh, five, only five of which were on target. Fulham were a bit wasteful without Raul Jimenez uh, in the team. But, um, you know, Burnley rode their luck a bit, and they, they kept it moving. They, they did what they had to do. They'd smash and grab and got the fuck out of there. Um, that's, that's interesting you brought up uh, Roll Jimenez because this is the next follow-up question that I had for you in that regards is is that partnership of Raul and Awobi already that fucking important to Fulham? Like, are is their offense going to live and die off of both of those two being on the pitch? Yeah. Kind of feels like um, it does, doesn't it? Like, that was yeah. that's why I asked that question because I was like, man, like, I, and Raul's only scored a few goals, but is is he just that important to open up play for them? Like, does like missing well, him, does that was, hurt it, that bad? But it's the same way Mitro <laughs> was, right? And it's the same way Raul was for Wolves when he was there. Those systems in general were built around, we need this point man to do just about everything. And I said it a few weeks ago, you know, he was at the center of most of everything that Fulham did right when they scored those 14 goals in three games or whatever it was. Um, he he did a lot. <laughs> excuse me, a lot of those things correctly. So did Alex Awobi. From my example last time we spoke, uh, maybe it was two times ago that we spoke about it. Where Fulham is the teenager that just discovered it's Willie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very evident that Raúl Jiménez is the Willie in this situation, and Alex Awobi is the hand. Because when the willy wasn't there, well, what good is the hand? <laughs> well said, Mr. Graham. Well said. Um, Kenilworth Road is obviously becoming a magical little place to play, isn't it? That's becoming a fortress. 
It is. But you know what I heard the other day? Mm-hmm. For those venturing over, unless, you know, you're an idiot or you fancy yourself a little hard or you're like Sam and both of those things, but you're big enough to back it up and everybody just leaves you alone, uh, <laughs> you probably shouldn't go to Luton because apparently uh, in essentially the British version of cops, I think it's called uh, 24-7 Lockup UK mm-hmm. or something like that. Luton is featured very prominently <laughs> on that television show. I have on good authority. So don't go fuck with Luton. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> apparently also a Brexit hotbed. Uh, great hunt. That doesn't surprise me. Are, are, are you saying they they might have been around the capital on January 6th if they were American? <laughs> Could be. Could be. Just maybe. Could be something like that. Um, All I know is they took offense to the people being uh, uh, be, uh, the ownership at Newcastle. They took offense to them being in attendance and decided to do this smash and grab 1-0 uh, and get the- and just send them back home crying. Hell of a goal. Hell hell of a goal. Great it goal was, by Andres Towns. And in I mean, I know he's a former uh, he's a former spud, but he's someone who's been in the league for a while, also has dealt with quite some severe injuries to, towards the end of his career here. So like good on him to get that. And then uh Ross Barkley with a nice assist. Ross Barkley almost put one in as well at the uh, end of the as first well, half. He hit a rip. Yeah. But the the other thing about these two what, what what tickles my fancy here is what same thing I said about Sander Burge uh, uh, for Burnley is this is some, two players with Premier League experience, but where the rest of the team do not have Premier League experience. Right, precisely. And it, it's good to see those guys stepping up and doing what they're supposed to do to keep the team where they need to be or, or to help the team try to achieve what they, they want to achieve, get them, uh, which get obviously them, is staying in the division. Gets them that um, much closer to Forrest. The other thing is Andros Townsend, famously, uh, loves to eat and apparently eats every day, eats chicken feet because they're an excellent source of collagen. Okay. Apparently, which is, I guess, to keep him young, to keep his ligaments intact. I'm not really sure what the tie-in is there, but he did like a full interview about it. Mm Mm-hmm. I want to know what color crayon did he get off of Ross Barkley to zest onto said chicken feet <laughs> after they were cooked. Ross's favorite favorite flavor of crayon is green. Remember that that has been fav- <laughs> that has been noted already. Um, so we call that lime zest. Do lime lime exactly. zest. There we go. The New Newcastle when they're at home, you know the place is going to be a fortress, and you know they're going to be supported, but. They're really starting to slip. The injuries are really finally starting to catch up to them. Uh, it's been weeks, man. They, they've they've had a few results here that they should have uh, not had uh, had they had the full complement of players that weren't fucking exhausted. I mean, you think of what was it against Spurs? The two <laughs> ridiculous mistakes by Kieran Trippier, mm-hmm. who has been since he oh, came no, that back was, to the Premier League. That was us where he had the two mistakes. Where we beat him three okay. nil, it was against us. Yeah. Okay, so oh, yes, yeah, so he did. He had one against um, uh, Spurs. Against Spurs, yeah, yeah. So the three. To- I mean, the- since he's come back to the Premier League from Atletico Madrid, he has been one of the most solid, consistent players in the Premier League. Almost couldn't put a foot wrong. Right. Um, forced his way back into the England team as well, mm-hmm. and to see him 
at, I guess, what, 33, 34 now, something like that, to see him making these these kind of rookie errors is simply a lack of concentration. And because of the, him being so exhausted, these things are allowed to creep into his game. But there's just nobody else to play that position currently, right. which is why everybody said in the in the um, last weekend's game, I I can't remember for the life of me who they played, uh, but they were up two nil or something, three nil. It was like fucking take Trippy off. What it rest him? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? You need him against Milan in the midweek. Like what's wrong with you? I, I think the guy needs a break for me. The biggest thing that I, I think with Newcastle right now, as far as the injuries go, that I, I note most notably is just they're getting worked on the road. They're winning at home. They are winning at home. They're figuring out ways to win and they're doing fine. But on the road, they're getting worked. And unfortunately, they're losing to teams they should be beating. And if this team wants to be in Champions League, <laughs> they might have dug themselves too big of a hole already here in the end of uh, December. Well, let, all right. So let's let's pull another pop culture reference from twenty years ago. Do you remember the movie Crank with mm-hmm. Jason Statham? Yes, I do. Um, so the St. James's Park is the adrenaline injection, obviously, and when they're not there, they don't have that. So they are about to die because they're so fucking exhausted. Huh. But St. James Park provides them that adrenaline thing that gets that heart. Don't worry, Christian. I'm fine. That gets that heart moving, right? That gets that heart pumping. Taylor, careful. It gets that heart moving, and they're fucking. They're in. You know what I mean? They got it. They 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 can put that stuff out of their mind. They can put that tiredness doesn't exist yep. until that whistle blows, and they come down from that, and then they're they can't recover. They get away from home. That support isn't the same. So now it's something else piling on your shoulder versus something lifting you up from behind. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair. Moving on. And I think I think that's a huge piece of it because last season, the only difference between last season and this season is there's more injuries. True. That's uh, the only difference. Mo- moving on. Uh, this, honestly, the Tottenham-Everton game was the most entertaining game of the weekend. It really was. It was the. It was really as far as just the action went. It was the most entertaining, but also it didn't really have any true storyline to it. Hence, why it wasn't in the first two segments and why it deserves to be an Oso. Spurs strike early, and then after that, Everton just kind of owned it, you know, for the most part. And I think that might be because Mr. Graham, in the thirtieth minute, Adrisagana Gay got hurt. And the game got a whole lot sexier, didn't it, my, my good man? It did. So what I what I took from this game in general was your three favorite players on the planet scored. Um, Richarlison, the human cock himself, uh-huh. uh, obviously got them off to a fine start. Your other favorite person scored, Son, because uh, he, yeah. you know, famously not my not one of my favorite people. I know he, he does it for the children. He does it for the children. That's why. Graham also tried the to get fucking children to over celebrate. <laughs> also tried to get Richarlison to over celebrate. That was so funny. Richarlison does the the small jump and just immediately subdues everything down, right? And then Son walks up to him with the biggest shit eating grin with his arms wide open. He's like, "Let's fuck with them." And Richarlison just puts out his hand and goes, 
no, <laughs> we are not well, doing right, that. Sam, what, what you have to remember is that famously, Scouse children aren't actually children. They're just wee devils. So, <laughs> Son's not doing it for them. Okay, Son's doing it for the kids of London. A Heard. proper place. <laughs> Heard very good. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and like I say, then then good old Andres Gomez. Gomez scores, and you, sir, I'm sure, just came all over your <laughs> because of how how good that man looks Hell and uh, how good the goal looked. Honestly, it was, oh, it was a hell of a hit. Hell of a hit. This was, this was another game. You had uh, just over a third possession, 38.8%. You outshot them 8-6 to six on target, outshot them overall 18-13. to 13. I mean, again, your efficiency, we talked about it before. I mean, this it's a beautiful thing of football, right? It, usually in basketball, that's so high scoring and back and forth, you know, blah, 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 blah. If you're, you know, you're always going to have chances. You're always going to have – you know, opportunities. And, and a lot of times the worst team can win, right? It's a bit more normal to get an upset. Yeah. Right. If you go baseball, it's so fucking skilled. Very rarely does the team that's not supposed to win actually win. Right. If you look over the span of a season, the favorites typically take those games. Hmm. Now, obviously you didn't win here, but the fact that you even showed what you showed, the fact that Luton did what they did, the fact that uh, I don't who was Burnley. the other one we talked about before, Burnley, Burnley did what they did. That's specific to soccer. That's specific to this sport that we love. That a team can be actually behind in terms of actually having the ball and be so dominant in the other stats. Mm-hmm. And I love everything about that. And in 66% of the games that we talked about there, that worst team won the fucking game. Right. You were the, you were the unlucky ones that didn't, but yeah. it, it just, that's why we love this is like, you know, you can put 11 players behind the ball and just get that one little opportunity and then bang, you win one nil. You can fuck out of there with all three points. It's awesome. The, I would say that the, you know, goal line technology worked perfectly. You, you feel like Everton were probably hard done, probably should have gotten a point out of that because, but legitimately inches, if even inches, centimeters just on the line with that last shot from Dan Juma. And it was I mean, misfortunate. And I'm going to go ahead and do my shot on the Lord. And honestly, it's not a game we were supposed to win. We've already rattled off four in December, which is huge. Got ourselves out of the drop. We now need to focus on the teams that we should be able to beat, right? Okay. We played Tottenham hard in their stadium. Now we get them in ours. And we got to feel like when we get them in ours, we probably got a chance of getting a point or maybe even three off of them. You know, it's yeah. Everton's no longer afraid to play people anymore. And you can see that. And they will take the game right to them. And I hate to admit, as a whole, I was not 100% on board with Dice, but I just felt like we needed, like, you know, an adult in the room to fucking settle things down last season. And honestly, the guy's got him fucking humming. He really does. So here we go. Uh, up the fucking toffees. Throw back my lord. I mean, the, the what's good about it is not only is he an adult, God, it's been a month, and that also, really sucks. Whew. He's also the stern, 
drunk uncle. <laughs> which helps. Fair. Very fair. Also, Just fucking do it. Um, one Just fucking do it. One last point before we move on to the next game is uh, four Spurs. That's a big fuck win. You played a team yeah. that has been on a roll, not giving up any goals at all. You've been recovering from injuries, and you also just recently had a game in your building. You lost with uh, West Ham, mm-hmm. a team that plays the exact same style. So for them, get yourself back in the Champions League. You're back in the discussion again. You're starting to get things right again. That's, that's a good thing. Now, you're not happy with the way that the game ended and that Everton could have very possibly escaped with a point there. But as a whole, from where you've been since when you were on the top of the table and everything has fallen apart, you got to be really happy with that win. If you're uh, if you're Pastacoglu. Absolutely. hundred percent. They, um, they just needed to, they just needed to do it, right? They just needed to get back on the horse and consistently on the horse. And that's now what two in a row. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's, it's big time. Cooper is out. Nuno is in. None of that fucking matters. Bali's second yellow card is absolute bullshit. Please talk about it, Mr. Graham. That's <laughs> the only thing from the game that really means anything, right? It, it's the 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 goals that shift um, uh, that Bournemouth. Cooper shipped. The goals that born that chef fuck off. Stop. Read. The goals that Forrest shipped to Bournemouth were solely their own fault, right? Balls mm-hmm. they couldn't clear, things they couldn't do. The re- Part of the reason that that happened, though, is because two of them specifically came from defensive headers. Right. That Willie Bolly would have fucking dealt with. Mm-hmm. And the goddamn referee sent him off a second yellow card for literally no fucking reason. It wasn't it a foul. Probably- it wasn't even a foul. Nope. It was probably the worst decision I've seen this season. I'm sorry. Second worst decision I've seen this season. Joe Linton's push on Gabrielle's back at Newcastle was probably the worst. But this one, easily the second worst decision I've seen this season. By far. It was absolutely atrocious. I can't tell you the hundreds of times that I've performed this exact action. And uh, everybody just goes, yay, well done. And we move on and keep going with the game. Because it's not a fucking foul. player fell over Bali as he he's, he slid for the ball. He won the ball. He cleared the ball. The Bournemouth player ran into him and fell over him. Mm-hmm. And the ref gave him a second yellow for that. Yep. <clears throat> and and not allowed to be it's, reviewed. It's not allowed to be reviewed by VAR because it's not a red card. If mm-hmm. ever there was a clear and obvious, an error, obvious error, which yep. is the reason why they keep telling us there's VAR is to correct clear and obvious errors. Yep. And they didn't correct this clear and obvious fucking error. Just, ah, so it's bad. And it, it's so fucking frustrating and, and because so fucking frustrating. and because of that force is now only two points out of the drop so yep. Luton wins one they lose one they're in the relegation zone like I mean you, you can never say this was the one thing that did our season and right I mean there's so many games over the course of a season to save yourself but in this particular instance 
and the way the game went, remember, Forrest scored twice down. If they had their full complement of players, don't you think they might have been able to hold on to at least a point here? One this would have thought. Potentially season-changing incident. Well, and the way that they ended up <laughs> ultimately losing at the death to a Dominic Solanke third goal, hat trick for him, header in the 95th minute that ultimately did them in. And you're and just I like... That was the best goal of the game. That was the... Well, for, for Bournemouth, rather, right. for him. Actually, not even Bournemouth, for him, because <laughs> he scored all of them. Yeah. Well... Uh, I think that was the best one of the, of, of the day. Although... Matt Turner got a hand to it and should have kept it out. Again, again, that's one he probably should have saved. And don't look now. Dominic Solanke is second in the league in scoring on 12 goals. He's level with, uh, he is level with Mohamed Salah. And, you know, there was always a lot of talk about Solanke when he was a youth player with Liverpool. And, we kind of expected to see him start to score goals and kind of become a star player at Bournemouth. And it just didn't really happen until they went down. And then when they went, when they went down, kid figured out how to score and started scoring like crazy. And since coming back up, the confidence has been there. Good goals last season, this season already in double digits. Guy's going to finish with 20 this year. He's definitely going to finish with 20. He's at 12 already. I think he finishes with 20. Well, it could be, yeah, if he's at 12 already. I thought he was probably at 9 or 10. But, um, I mean, yeah, the confidence is there. You're absolutely right about that. It needed – he seems very very much like a system guy. He's, he doesn't seem like a creative guy. Like, you could go toss, I don't know, Thierry Henry or Lionel Messi or, you know, some these types of players that – just give them the ball, they'll go, they'll figure it out themselves. They'll go get it done. Right. Solanke, Solanke seems a lot more to me, somebody like, um, I don't know, Ruud Van Nistelrooy. Like, a, a, you know, kind of, he's an opportunist, but it has to be a system. You're not going to give him the ball 30 yards from goal and he's going to make it happen. No. He's going to make gonna it gonna happen on, in the box. He's going to either react to things or he's going to be on the end of things that are created for him. Right. He's going to put himself in the right position in the box, and you need to get him the ball. Correct. And now it seems like this system that we've been talking about, you know, may or may not work um, from this new coach's Areola's perspective. Uh, And apparently he was very close to the sack a few weeks ago uh, before this uptick in form. Um, it seems like this system is finally benefiting somebody like Dominic Solanke. Now, the production of somebody like Philip Billing has fallen off a bit, mm-hmm. and I'm a little bit surprised by that because he was he was the spark, uh, you know, not too long ago where he would chip in with a goal here or there that would get Bournemouth some points. But all of a sudden, it just seems like he he's dropped back to a bit bit more of a playmaker, bit more of a mm-hmm. you know kind of a, a medium tackler uh, in kind of a number eight role. He's not a defensive midfielder by any stretch. He's a bit further forward, but he's not an out-and-out number 10 either. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you call him a box-to-box guy at this point, but he seems one that's that's kind of hurt in terms of end product, but as long as the team are doing better, who gives a fuck? Right, true. You know? uh, final game happened uh, this morning on Christmas Eve. 
couple of notable things. Uh, Saw back in the net for Wolves, which is massive. Also mm, worth mentioning for Chelsea, uh, Nkuku gets back on the pitch and is back healthy and actually and added, scored. A, yeah, added a goal. I mean, it was at junk time when it didn't matter anymore. But here's the thing. Despite the fact that Wolves ultimately went up 2-0 and were looked like the better side for the most part, it wasn't like they didn't give Chelsea opportunities. They they made a lot of mistakes and they gave Chelsea a lot of chances. And Chelsea just looks disjointed. Like, mm-hmm. And I get it. We've talked about it. They're a very young team. They've got a good coach. They're starting to figure it all out. But when you have 300 puzzle pieces for a 200-piece puzzle, shit ain't going to work, man. It's just not going to work. Well, I mean, besides that, I, I've started thinking about this a little bit more, and I'm, I'm actually going to start holding Chelsea a bit more to task about this. How many of that Chelsea starting 11 actually went away on international duty? Mm, not a lot of them. No. No, not a lot of them. Maybe two, three players tops. Not even Raheem Sterling went. Right. Right. Mudrick was gone, but he's been in and out of the team anyway. Connor Gallagher was with the England setup, and Cole Palmer was with the England setup. Other Mm. than that, I don't know anybody else that actually went with their respective countries. So Pochettino did not have the greatest preseason. So I understand the way they started. But in six weeks of unadulterated training with a majority of your squad, how have you not fucking figured it out if you're a better coach? Mm-hmm. You know, there's been three international breaks this season. Yeah. Why and, do you still look like this? And you also got beat multiple times by teams lower in the table than you in their building. Like, And you're lower in the table than you usually are. Right. Like, just... <laughs> You know, the two prime examples are Everton and Wolves worked you in their building because this game, other than other than Chelsea was given opportunities to to take a lead. This game was all Wolves. Wolves owned the match other than their handful of mistakes. And then and in the case at Goodison, like Everton owned that match. It just wasn't even it wasn't even in question. Like and for Chelsea, you just got to like. It's got to start working. With a a consistency of team and a consistency of system, a consistency of message, an organization, right? Going out with a plan, whatever that plan is, going out with a plan. I mean, even even Postacoglu for Spurs, there's been a few times we thought his plan was shit, playing that high line. Did he stop? No. No. He he kept to his system. Look where Tottenham are. Right. I mean, granted, they were on top for all of eight minutes, uh, which is the most in their history since there was black and white televisions. But they continue to do the same things. I mean, those players just know what to do and where to be. Gary O'Neill has instilled that in Wolves. Right. He's taken that pressure off from going on his refereeing rants and all this kind of shit all the time. Just to, you know, I, I think partially to deflect from the team and a potential poor performance. Um, but they know where they're supposed to be. They're, they're a decent unit. And remember, they're missing some of their best players. Yeah. And here's the key thing, Sam. I just want to apologize to everybody this week for once. We didn't talk about Brentford. Sure money. 
<laughs> That's pretty good. There you go. All right, That's Mr. Graham. Close. I lost for a whole host of reasons. <laughs> and, uh, actually, I didn't get a chance to write down what that meant. So I have to pull up last week's notes real quick. If you give me 32 seconds. Well, here. I'll go ahead and do my thing then, if you don't mind. And uh, uh, you and you've got yeah. uh, you've got Mr. Pat's uh, email as well, sir. It is on here somewhere. <laughs> you know what? Admin, not our strong suit. Uh, Brighton could could not find a match winner, and I am back in the red at minus thirty nine. Big Sam's lock of the week. Mr. Graham, did you know twenty three point five two nine four one two percent of the time? Works 100% of the time. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm going big. Um, I'll go back to sensible betting at the new year because uh, sensible betting has got me in the red. Everton, double chance. Winner draw against City at Goodison with Jack Grealish and Andres Gomez, the sexiest man on the field because uh, a couple of people are still hurt, so he's going to play. To each get a shot on target. They both get a shot on target. And Everton draws or wins. Either or. $1,682, Mr. Graham. Not good gambling. <laughs> but I'm going for it. I've got a, I got an itch. I mean, maybe I need to see the doctor about it, but I've got an itch. I told you about that fucking peanut butter. <laughs> And now, it's time for our degenerate gambling friend, Pat's Pick of the Week. What's great there, Graham, is I thought I was the one who fucked it up, and it was her who fucked it up, so it's okay. No, it was you. But you... (laughs) But I stopped it, and I wanted a clean cut, and Uh you just ruined that, too. As you went, damn it, as you pushed up the volume, realizing that it was too loud. That wasn't why I stopped it. Well, I mean, it's all going to get edited in post anyway, so you don't care, except for for this part where you try to blame it on me. But you know, Melissa. Hey, Mel. Oh, Mel? it was just because it was your fault first. I could have, I could have, I could have increased that volume in post. Uh-huh. That is not why I stopped it. I stopped it because you stomped all over my cue. You know what you did, Mel. You know what you did. Thanks to the new iPad, by the way. <laughs> Go ahead. What did Pat have to say? Uh, um- Actually, I have something to say first. Uh, mm-hmm. Sam, did you see what I did there when both of y'all were stomping all over my bit? Mm-hmm. I stayed fucking quiet and just let it happen instead of going on a goddamn fucking tirade, you cunt. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to Pat's email. Uh, holiday classic is the subject line here, and he says, and I quote, I'm in a festive mood, and I always gamble responsibly when I've a couple of when I've had a couple of eggnogs. So for the midweek matches, I'm making a hundred dollar play a day. Uh, I like Villa over United for plus one thirty, a draw in the Everton City match for plus three twenty, and a draw in the Tottenham Brighton match for plus two ninety five. Merry Christmas, you guys and gals, and cheers to a happy new year. So the way this reads, I think he's doing $100 on each individual. Yep. Each Is individual game. Yep. Yeah. Well, he always talks about it. Sometimes he'll do parlays, but he always talks about how the parlay is a sucker's bet, and you and I do parlays every week. <laughs> totally, the payoff is totally worth it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> we, we lose Sucker's a little at a time. Suck. And then, yeah, we lose a little at a time a lot. 
but then we would have laughed at once. <laughs> yep. And it's fucking awesome. Yep. And so then we piss off we piss off the proper gamblers. And you just yeah, exactly. described the reason why there's twelve steps. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. You know what? I I better never become an alcoholic, a gambling addict, a drug addict. I can't do any of that because fucking number nine. I can't. I won't be able to complete it. I'm not apologizing to any of you, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess I'm just gonna stay a degenerate because I can't do number nine. I can't get past it. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, uh, so I've pulled up my notes from last week. I was down two forty-seven. Now I'm down three forty-seven because of a multitude of different people that didn't do what I wanted them to do this week. So I've not learned my lesson big surprise and i'm going big time in the midweek on a five gamer i've got newcastle because they're at home against nottingham forest mm-hmm. uh, newcastle to win i've got sheffield united versus luton town this is my safest bet of the week under three and a half goals <laughs> that's a very safe bet what I should do is just bet that and put a million fucking quid on it. Uh, 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 then I'm going to use uh, Bournemouth or a tie on double chance uh, against Fulham because Bournemouth are at home. Uh, and then Villa or tie against Manchester United because they're at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I'm throwing that draw kind of helper in there. Mm, I'm going to wear um, my uh, white jersey out to Boxing Day. Fabulous. I love it, Mel. Lastly, I've got Liverpool to beat Burnley. I still think the under three and a half is safer than this bet. <laughs> but that five-way parlay on my $100 bet will pay me plus 415, and I will eradicate the entirety of my debt and be back in the black in no time. Fantastic. Um, Start the new year off right, my friends. I think this is what I'm uh, what I'm doing here. And, uh, and there was three human beings who bet very, very poorly every single week, and um, we have poultry that is on a motherfucking heater. Well, Kitty hit with the draw in Arsenal Liverpool and sits at eleven and five. So for Boxing Day. I gave Kitty Bournemouth hosting Fulham. Now, Kitty showed me a photo of her having lunch with Michael B. Jordan and Harry Redknapp. Hello, I... As we know, Michael is an owner in Bournemouth, and although Harry has coached many clubs, the one he supports is Bournemouth. And so it looks like Kitty is picking the cherries to beat the cottages. Very good. Do you know what? Uh, why Kitty doesn't need 12 steps? Why is that? Because she always remembers to gamble legally and responsibly. And she never needs to apologize to anyone. That is no. for damn sure. No. Well, that's going to wrap it up, boys and girls. Mr. Graham, any parting words? <laughs> Sorry, Smokey. Spark the new year. Puff, puff, puff. Pass, Mel. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs> Very good. Parting words, Mr. Graham. 
Uh, no, I don't really have anything. Uh, just Merry fucking Christmas, you filthy animals. Mm, very good. I hope uh, everybody has a wonderful day uh, tomorrow. If you're watching on the live stream, if you're listening to us while you're cooking your beautiful ham, have a great day today. Hope uh, you were able to get all the kids everything they wanted. Hope you were able to get everything you wanted. And remember, it's Christmas. Press the wife for a blowy. <laughs> Hey Mel, mm-hmm. what you up to tomorrow night? I don't know. I'm, 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 I think I'm busy. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for joining us. Next up is injury time, where we're going to preview the midweeks action. Even though Mr. Graham's not going to be there for the midweek shows, and we're checking in on our adopted club, which um, get ready, Mr. Graham didn't play, and we're also going to look at our fantasy uh, scores, and then of course talk about the beers we were drinking. So, Mr. Graham. How does one find injury time? Uh, very easily, actually. It's patreon.com forward slash D football show. It's only five bucks a month to sign up to that one five dollar tier, especially if you forgot what to, you, you didn't buy something for someone for their Christmas morning. Fuck shit. Patreon.com forward slash D football show. It's five bucks a month. I'm pretty sure you can pay for a three month thing and then make sure their credit card gets entered after that uh, if you need to. So just do that instead. uh, So you don't have to keep paying for it, which would be great. (laughs) And of course, if you did forget to get something for someone, go to the DU Drip Shack. You can find that on the link tree of every single one of our social media sites. Get the flyest, flyest gear in all of American soccer podcasting. I said that very uh, directly just to piss off English people, by the way, Mr. Cram. Yes. Real quick. Uh-huh. A delivery not guaranteed in the next six hours and 35 minutes. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who want to stick around on the live stream, we're getting ready to do the DU Does the EFL show where we talk about everybody in the lower leagues as well. And we'll do a quick little recap of the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. After a short break, of course. Till next week, well, until Thursday, everybody, with Young Hot Freshness. Bye. Peace. Born in the land of Bowie, Maryland. Bred to be a fan of fucking Everton. Punch you in the eye and drink your rye. Sam Houston. Sam Houston? Arsenal fans have another Sam. Right day, yay, the fucking gooner grab. Smell the malort, look straight in shorts. Sam Graham, hey. Sam Graham. Hit the fucking new button.